I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Urban Meyer did something he's never done as a coach. Helmets off. Is on. Hey, folks, welcome to another episode of Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell, your host here. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, a lot of fun. We've been doing this for quite a while. And uh, if you like us, go to Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast or Twitter at the Helmets Off Show and, uh, you know, share some thoughts with us. Uh, you know, clearly you've downloaded the podcast, so thank you, and uh, we just like that you're here. Fun show today, very interesting, I think almost shocking events took place, maybe, maybe not, but uh, we're going to talk about it. So Clay Hilton, the uh, long-embroiled coach, I don't know why at USC, well, I do know why, because he doesn't win national championships, at uh, USC uh, was fired, University of Utah, who many people thought would win the Pac-12, lost its uh, non-conference second game of the season to in-state rival BYU. And of course, Urban Meyer, well, Urban Meyer, (laughs) Urban Meyer lost. And Urban Meyer actually looks a little lost. We'll talk about, can he make that transition from college to the pros and be successful? Because he was um, wildly successful pretty much everywhere he went in the college ranks and you think that that should translate maybe it does maybe it doesn't anyways let's get started with uh, clay helton here uh, I've, I've interviewed clay helton on numerous occasions and got to know him a little bit uh just think the world of him i mean really very impressed with his demeanor with his thought process and quite frankly impressed with what he's been able to do at usc uh, in his time as the coach but here's the rub okay and this is this really is the rub USC should be a perennial Pac-12 champion, like maybe seven out of 10 years. They should win the conference. They're, they are the highest uh, you know, person on the food chain. They are the king of the jungle. Everybody wants to go to USC first before anywhere, anywhere. And they don't go there when they think that USC is acting kind of below who they really should be. And that's really what they're doing. And the challenge has been Clay Helton has been in survival mode pretty much from the time he was uh, put in as the coach. And that's the problem. That's just, that's just it, plain and simple. He's, he doesn't have the vision that USC needs to have. 
And until he gets that vision, and this is this isn't Clay Helton. This is really at any university, at any job for that matter. If you don't have a vision, then you're going to end up with the results that you create, which a lot of times are inconsistent results because you're just kind of all over the place. Kind of one week we're hoping we're going to do this, the next week we're hoping we're going to do that. At USC, very very simple. It really is. It may be probably the easiest job in the country. I'm not joking about this. I'm, I'm telling you it for, for the simple reason is you can get anything you want. You can get all the resources. You can have everything you possibly want to win at USC. You, you really have to screw it up to screw it up. And the problem was Clay Helton was always in survival mode. He's always in, I'm just, I'm trying to protect my job. I'm trying to, I'm just trying to, you know, keep the wolves at bay here. I'm trying to, instead of very boldly coming out and saying, this is all we do at USC. We win national champions. We, we win national championships. And quite frankly, it would change the whole structure of college football if USC really became USC again. Because now it, it's like, You've got Alabama on the wheat on the east, and you've got USC on the west. And that's really something that can totally light a fire under and ignite college football. And USC can do it. And USC and Alabama have a, a long history, a, a significant history of making massive change in college football. And there, there's great stories and documentaries about, about Alabama playing uh usc and and how it integrated college football in a massive way uh especially in the south and it was us usc that really kind of um started the the trend so clay helton just never was a guy that could get that vision and i don't understand it because i don't think it's it's pretty obvious and i don't think it's that hard to figure out and i get you know okay yeah but there's a lot of pressure and it's usc and it's all this yeah, but, but there's the, the resources and the talent you can get and the kind of coaches you can bring there and the kind of publicity that would be generated. It needs a field general, a coach that just says, this is all we do. Pete Carroll took over for, uh, at USC. A lot of people were skeptical of him being the coach there, and he owned it. He owned it. He says, look, we beat our, our, our crosstown rival UCLA. We win national championships. That's what we do here. That's all, that's all our focus is, end of discussion. And when you're an athlete and you go, uh, yeah, because we can do it at USC, because we can get all the best guys, flat out get all the best guys, but it's going to take a coach with that kind of vision. And, it, and, and really, the guy who probably should do it or could do it or would be wildly phenomenally successful at it is the guy I'm going to talk about uh, next. And that's Urban Meyer. And he is flat out denied, denied being a coach at USC. But I'm going to tell you that I actually think he should do it uh, when we come back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. 
But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Okay, folks, welcome back. Uh, Helmets off. Scott Mitchell, your host here. Uh, First segment, we talked about Clay Hilton uh, being fired at USC. And uh, to me, USC is just an enigma. I don't understand how they get all these great players or, or, and, and why they just are so, and and you can argue, well, you know, they've been kind of in the conversation, but they, they need to be the conversation. They need, they just do. They're that good. They have that much potential. There, there isn't, there isn't a program in the Western United States, no program that can come close to USC if it's really serious. They're that good. They're, they have that much tradition and they just, they're just not owning it. But they're going to need a coach, a dynamic coach. It can't be some, you know, it, it can't be some guy on the rise, somebody up and coming. It can't be, it's got to be, it's got to be a draw. It's got to be a name that's so strong and so powerful and so, uh, that uh, it totally makes sense. And I'm just telling you the guy that it is, is Urban Meyer. And maybe Urban Meyer goes into Jacksonville and he sees it like Nick Saban saw it when he's with the Miami Dolphins and realized this isn't my cup of tea. This isn't where I want to be. It's, it doesn't fit my uh, wheelhouse. It doesn't fit my strength as a coach. And you need to make it happen. Urban Meyer looks about as comfortable on the sideline in an NFL game as I looked like when I was sitting in the emergency room having a kidney stone. It is unpleasant. It is awful. It is miserable. It is the last place I want to be. And that's what Urban Meyer looks like. And it's real. This is like these solutions aren't rocket science, folks. It, the solution simple. It's very simple. Urban Meyer cannot have the same kind of control in the NFL that he has in college football. The most important thing to a college football program is the head coach, flat out. The head coach makes everything happen. Everything happen in college football. Alabama was not great before Nick Saban got there. Uh, Florida was not winning a bunch of national championships. I mean, yeah, they have in the past, but they've also had good coaches when they've done that. When, when Urban Meyer wasn't there, uh, you know, Ron McBride did a good job at Utah, but he was no Urban Meyer. And Urban Meyer changed the entire culture at Utah forever. It's never been the same and, and in a positive way. And the same thing with Ohio State. So it, the coach matters. The coach matters, 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 matters. And you have a program like USC, and look, I'm, I'm really like Clay Hilton. I really do. Uh, very pleasant to, but, but 
he was not the coach for USC. Urban Myers, not necessarily the coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Although I believe with time, he will be immensely successful in Jacksonville. I really do. The problem with Urban Meyer, period, is Urban Meyer burns out. He just does. He flames out no matter where he is. And it's just, it's high, go, 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 high energy, high, I'm all in to the point of it's almost killing me kind of mindset. And then he, and then he's got to, he's got to recharge. And, I, and I'm, I'm not sure he's even recharged at this point for the, for the monumental task he has with the Jaguars, because you can go out when you're a coach in college and you can, as Bill Parcell said, pick the groceries. Like you get a recruit and, you, and, and, and no one's off limits to you in the country when you're Urban Meyer, nobody. And so you, you, you control all of that. And then when you get them in school, you control all of them when they're there. In the pros, it's like, you know how you control guys? You find them. But they're adult grown men who have their own, their own brand, their own name, their own uh, career. And, and that career may not coincide with your philosophy as a coach. And so you can't like, you, you can't put your thumb over guys in the NFL like you can in college football. You just can't do it. And, and you really and, – and, and there have been guys that have been successful. Jimmy Johnson with the Dallas Cowboys. And Jimmy Johnson walked into a perfect storm. Okay? And they stunk. Season one, they won one game. And they stunk. And then they made a monumental, boneheaded Dallas – or Minnesota Vikings trade for Herschel Walker. And they got the world. And the, the players they got – from that trade made the Dallas Cowboys a, a, a world champion. And quite frankly, it should have been a massive dynasty except for Jimmy Johnson and, and uh, Jerry Jones, their egos. And they just, they just got in the way. It's just, it's just mind boggling how folks can't seem to get along. I, I, don't, I don't get it. So it's possible for a college coach to go to the pros and have success. I really think you have to be a guy that's like all in, totally committed to it and understand how to develop the pro in the program, but also you have to have some luck. And I think part of what enticed Urban Meyer was the fact that they had that number one pick. And if you can get that generational talent at quarterback, like they feel they have in Trevor Lawrence, whether he is or he isn't, that remains to be seen. But a lot of folks are high on him and I think Urban Meyer is you got a shot. At least you got the start of a shot. I mean, Troy Aikman came to the Cowboys before anyone else. And, and then they started adding pieces and, and then they started getting really good. But look at, look at some other guys, look at Chip Kelly. I mean, Chip Kelly was an absolute disaster in new England. And like, he was so much trying to run it like a, I mean, a college program, not really understanding talent and really understanding who he was and what he wanted to do there. And, and I think he realized that this, this, this deal, in the pros was was iffy and it looks like he's turned a corner now going back to the college game to ucla it's it's taken a while but but they they may be a legitimate team uh this year and and he was smart to go to a a, a good program a historic program i just really feel urban meyer is completely out of his element and 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 the college game and the pro game being a coach it does it doesn't necessarily translate 
And it's not that you have to be this rah, rah, rah guy because, because a lot of players like being motivated. A lot of players don't. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't matter, but um, it's, it's, really, it's really about recruiting. And you can, you can go in free agency, and, but the challenge is to get something, you have to give something up. There's a, there's a budget. <laughs> there's a salary cap. So you, you have to really manage the players you get. You have to find, find players in places. And uh, you look at some of these teams that traditionally have been good. The Patriots, since free agency, they're really good because they've understood how to manage the salary cap. And basically they don't go out and they don't get free agents. Getting Cam Newton was a shock to me, quite frankly, when, uh, when they did that. Uh, a couple of years ago, and, and you can see they, they don't like to do it that way. That's probably why, a lot of why he's gone. They, they like to find quality guys who are pros, who really know how to play the game, and they're, you know, they're like maybe six to ten years into their career where they've really got a lot of experience in the pro game, and they're cast-offs. And the, but they're guys that they just know will fit into their system and their culture, and they do a phenomenal job of it. And that way they, they're never in cap jail. They never overspend. And they have these just really, really good football teams that are made up of a lot of really unknown players other than Tom Brady. I mean, I mean really. And you get, you get some guys that come along like Gronkowski or Edelman or uh, some of these guys they've had, and they're, they're you know, they're, they're good. But um, so will Urban Meyer get that? Will he be able to manage? Because it's a totally different process than college. I'm just telling you, he has an open checkbook when he's in college. He can get the – and he goes to USC. He can get the best players in the country, the best players in the country. I guarantee you, Urban Meyer goes to USC. I guarantee you he goes to USC, and they become a national power. I, I don't even – I have zero question about that whatsoever. Zero question about that whatsoever if if he were to go there. well we're going to take another break uh one of the uh pac-12 foes of usc of course is university of utah who lost for the first time in 10 well it's actually been 12 years 10 meetings with its uh, in-state rival byu um and let's talk through what i saw about that when we come back Hey folks, uh, welcome back. Uh, final episode, or it, I guess it's a segment of the Helmets Off. The University of Utah was 21 ranked team in the country coming into uh, their game with BYU lost. And I, I do the color analyst for all of the Utah football games. And uh, in the whole time that I've done it and actually watching Kyle Whittingham and his whole tenure as a coach at Utah and, and the miraculous transformation they made of joining a power five conference and competing and going to pac 12 championships and uh watching this team play byu i've never ever seen his team play that poorly and i i, I mean they were they were dominated at the line of scrimmage and i and i couldn't understand it because this team is very talented they got a lot of talent on this team they're well coached. And I'm like, what, what is it? What actually went on? And I actually think the number one reason that they lost 
has to do with COVID. And it's not that they had COVID. It's not that they, you know, uh, it's that they went through a COVID season. And I think it took a, a massive toll on everyone on that team. BYU didn't go through it. They played a regular 12 game season and a bowl game. They were, and, and you, you could argue the opponents, they played every week. Utah played five games and it was into like almost the end of October before they even started playing games. They got on an airplane twice and their games got canceled as they were getting ready to go to their games. And all the testing and all of the stress and all of the anxiety of it, and then playing in front of nobody for every single game with a very young, inexperienced team. So now they go into their second game of the season. There wasn't a great crowd at, at the, for their season opener. Uh, it rained. It was delayed. And uh, the, the team was just kind of flat. You know, it, they weren't great, spectacular. And, and uh, uh, they went to BYU for the first time and actually had crowd noise. And, and, and a lot of these players whole entire careers. They've never been in a hostile environment with a lot of noise. And what you have is you have inexperience shows up in spades in this situation. It's just like all over the place. You can see the inability to consistently sustain drives and to make plays. And uh, the offensive line is, is still in flux and it's still trying to figure things out with, with, with injuries, but also with inexperience. And these guys get in the game and you can't hear to make communication like you normally would. And, and that offensive line, they just, they have to have, they have to have that, that effective communication, have to have it. It's like, it, it, it's, there's no way around it, right? So, um, so you have this, this really inexperienced team. I thought it was actually a bonus that they got to play games last year, but the games were in front of nobody. It was like glorified scrimmages. You know, it was like, a, it was the scrimmage during, uh, you know, spring football. It, it just, you're just playing another team. There, there, was not, there was not the pressure that the crowd brings. And that, and that affects people. And I really think that that had the biggest impact on this team because they just, they weren't up to the task at all. And there's a, there's a funny thing, and if you watch, and there, were, there was a play in the game, and I, I brought this up, and there's, there's this difference between playing intense, which you have to play, like, or you get run over, okay? You cannot go out and play a game of football at any kind of competitive level and be tense. You will get run over. And might have been what happened. They, they got run over. But there was, a, there was a play that happened. Wide receiver, wide open, quarterback, Charlie Brewer, puts it right on the numbers. And how does the guy catch the ball? He catches it in his stomach. He catches it like, you know, like hoping that he doesn't drop it. And what does he do? He dropped it. And they called it a catch, and they reviewed it, and he actually dropped it. And he dropped it simply because he was really playing tense. Don't screw up. Oh, I, I, the ball's thrown to me. Oh, I got to try to catch it. And so the tendency is just to swarm it with your body. Now, another player on Utah, 
uh, Brand Keithy is throwing a pass. Similar type of, it's an in-breaking route. It's a little bit deeper than the other one. And how does he catch it? In his hands. And he catches it in a way where he's, he's intense. He's not tense. He's not worried about it. He's like, yeah, throw me the ball. I'm going to score. And that's what he does. And it's that little tiny thing. And, and my point in this is not everybody is affected negatively by the pressure of, of a circumstance. But some people are. And some people, when they hear the noise of a, of a crowd that's hostile, you go to an away game, some guys love it, rise up to it. They, they can't wait for it. Other guys, ah, it sends them uh, you know, into their shell and they, they, they tank. So um, when you have a young, inexperienced team, you're going to have young, inexperienced kind of uh, highs and lows. Now, Utah is a tough road game. They're going to bounce back from this. But they're going to they're gonna be at USC in a couple of weeks, and that's going to be a hostile environment. Uh, they're going to have their home opener against uh, a Pac-12 foe, another hostile, you know, it'll be home. But still... Uh, this team, you know, has to learn how to manage um, the external influences in our performances. And they, they happen to all of us. And so much of it, it's just like Clay Hilton, you know, uh, when we talked about him earlier, where the circumstances of his job, and the fact that he's at USC and the pressure of all that, I really believe he said, I just want to survive this. I just want to have a job as opposed to just, being intense and owning it. All right, folks, helmets off is, well, it's now off. Thank you uh, for tuning in. And of course, go to Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast, Twitter at the Helmets Off Show. We are powered by kslsports.com. And until then, I will see you. stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.